This is Small Business as Usual, a program about the art of operating small enterprises and the issues faced by the owners. It's a presentation of the Community Economic Development Fund in Meriden, Connecticut. I'm Frederick Welk, a business advisor for CEDF clients. The Community Economic Development Fund is a nonprofit lender providing financing to qualified small businesses in Connecticut that can't obtain traditional bank financing. More about CEDF at the end of the program. This episode is about time. Every business owner has the same 24 hours. The question becomes what to spend it on. There's sales, marketing, bookkeeping and finance, sometimes personnel and customer service issues. And more often than not, the owner is involved in some phase of actually manufacturing the widgets, baking the cookies, or performing the services needed to bring in the revenue. My work at CEDF has provided the opportunity to study businesses of a variety of sizes and complexities in many industries. We have borrowers with dozens of employees and plenty of solo operators too. I like to explain the most common challenge facing these small business owners like this. And I don't know who coined the phrase, but it really expresses the time allocation problem well. How to get out of production and into management. It's a question that's been nagging me for years because I like to have effective answers for my clients facing this issue. So for this exploration, I looked for someone who had to be an expert in time management, a single mom who owns a business. My name is Aubrey Schmally. I am a pediatric occupational therapist and I own Sensational Achievements in Stamford, Connecticut. We specialize in treating children who have what are called sensory processing disorders and that includes children with learning disabilities, autism spectrum disorders, developmental delays, and difficulty sort of self-regulating in the presence of really busy environments, noisy environments, um, or in situations that you know are a little bit more crowded and unpredictable. And so our job is to really work with the children and the families, providing not only the direct intervention, but also educating parents and teachers and giving them ideas of ways that they can embed the treatment strategies that we use, but also uh, support the child in their daily life so that they can be active participants in social situations, academic situations, learning, school environments, and things like that. So Aubrey is a classic example of this paradox of how do you get out of production and into management? She's the lead therapist in her practice, but she also has to make sure the bookkeeping, marketing, client relations, and all the other key functions are done. Nobody's going to do the planning to grow the new ventures that she has in mind except her. Well, um, most of our business is service-based, so I do a lot of direct client evaluation as well as the treatment. For me, I know that I'll never be able to get out of the evaluation because the evaluation is the most important tool that we use to really figure out what's going on with each child and create an intervention that's going to work best for them. However, the treatment aspect of it is something that I have really been thinking a lot about lately in terms of how to balance the time that I spend in the direct treatment versus training other therapists to really be able to provide high quality intervention based on the uh, results of the evaluation. But Aubrey has to have some techniques to accomplish this balance of production and management. She's clearly doing it. The practice has grown. 
She's ready at our monthly meetings with financial statements to review and sometimes a written recap of the salient events that have transpired and the initiatives and projects she has on her agenda. Well, the first thing I think is making sure that I kind of block out my time in the specific types of jobs that I have to do. So if I do have to provide education and training to a new therapist, um, we've already developed manuals to make that possible. And there's lots of readings and supports, but then we schedule regular supervisions and trainings to be able to help them be more independent so that parents are relying more on them as opposed to coming back to me with every single question that they have. And so really trying to create a situation where the parents trust the other therapists that are on my staff and look to them for the support, even if I'm still kind of hanging in the background as the supervisor and the person overseeing the treatment. So when I think about carving out my day, I usually put in my my own treatment sessions and my own evaluation responsibilities. And then in between, I'm looking for ways to put the right things at the right time of day. And that means, so if I know that I need to make a phone call, that I'm definitely blocking out a half hour of space that happens directly after X treatment that I'm going to put towards you know, managing a new client call. But if I know that there's going to be um, dealing with the finances or preparing the taxes or making sure the administrative aspects of the business are being handled, then I need to look and say, you know, where do I have that three or four hour block of time? And so each time that I have throughout the week is based on how much time I know that that particular job is going to take. And then choosing where those things can fit in throughout the week so that I'm most productive. I do have to even schedule in my lunchtime because I'm notorious for overbooking that slot uh, in favor of trying to squeeze in something else that a client has decided that they need in 24 hours or less. But I've become a highly, highly scheduled person um, and definitely thinking the day before about two or three main things that you know you have to tackle in your downtime when I'm not doing direct client services and direct client care has become really important in being able to get things done um, in a reasonable time frame. You might think that it helps to be an overachiever and there's no doubt Aubrey's a hard worker. But I have a lot of other clients that work like animals too, and they're still stuck in production. It must be that there are critical choices to be made when you become a business owner. I think first being aware of the different places where you have to allocate your mental energy, trying not to overbook yourself so that you can actually get to completion on the projects that you set out for yourself. So if you are going to redesign your website, you can't obviously stop the entire rest of the business flow to be able to do it, even if the web designer is calling you two and three times a day to try to make that happen, because that's where his focus is. But If you're going to prioritize one project in your business, do it one project at a time. Don't try to fix the pamphlet and write your blog and redo the website and prepare to file your taxes all at once. It's just not going to happen. So being realistic and, you know, saying to the web designer, hey, let's schedule these appointments so that you don't get sidetracked and you're able to really manage your time more effectively because you're not getting pulled into um, what other people's priorities are. Okay, so you have to get control of your time. But what about stepping away from the business? Does business ownership always mean sacrificing everything else in life? 
I asked Aubrey what the impact was on her personal life. Uh, you don't really have one. (laughs) No, that's not true. Again, it's become for me about being highly scheduled and also thinking about what I need to pass off to someone else. And so for a while, I had uh, someone who came and cleaned my house because if I have to figure out where to put my time, do I spend my time, you know, with my daughter, taking her to something so that she feels like, you know, I'm empowering her and supporting her to be her best self, then I need to uh, let go of my need to have the house clean or give that job to someone else. And so I think it forces you to make more decisions in your personal life about the quality of time that you're spending, not the amount of time that you're spending doing certain things. And is it more important to be the person who picks your daughter up from school? Or is it more important to talk to your daughter and say, hey, we're going to do this special thing on Saturday, or let's do this art project together, or you know, let's make this dish together so that your child knows that they're still a priority in your life, but that you are able to, again, put it in in ways that are manageable for you. Because if you try to be everything that a mom has to be and you try to be everything that a business owner has to be, you're going to set yourself up for failure because you you get stuck doing too many of the little things that are maybe necessary but not important. And really thinking about what are the most important things and the most important places to put your time and what can you give away to others so that you have more time to do what's most important. Delegating the little things, concentrating on the big priorities. There's lots of great books from Stephen Covey and others on this theme, but even though successful business owners raise successful families, and I can tell you Aubrey's young daughter Haley is charming, check out her smile on the company website, But there's got to be some price to be paid for accomplishing goals and aspirations. Not everyone is willing to choose to be a business owner, and it's not the last choice that has to be made. I was reading a book with my daughter at night. It was Miss Ellicott's School for Magical Maidens. And not that I would use this as a business guide, but this little girl was blessed with very important sorcery talents that she didn't really uh, fully understand the gift that she had been given and the responsibilities that it then set her up for to manage the city or become someone who would be eventually in charge of a city because after all she was just a little girl. But as you read through the book and she started getting guidance from the sorceress that had come before her that had to make some difficult decisions, that sorceress kept saying, too small, too small. And every time that she would put a worry out there, like, oh, what about my what about my friends? Oh, I have to make sure these people are okay. Well, what about that? She would say, too small. It pretty much took the entire book for you to figure out what that meant. But the moral of the story is, if it is your job, or if you have... If you're meant to do something bigger, there's always going to be people that need you for stuff and people that look to you to help them and support them. But you have to look at the bigger thing that you are meant to accomplish. And then 
make some decisions that maybe other people aren't always going to be happy with, but you know are going to be the greater good for whatever your mission is or what your goal is of what you want to achieve. And so when you're trying to move out of production and into management, I think you really have to take a step back. And for me, because I have a service business, I have a lot of children and families that really depend on me emotionally, as well as from a uh, treatment ideas and knowledge perspective. And saying to them or reminding myself that my end game is not just about helping 10 people, it's going to be about helping thousands of people. And the only way to get to that is to maybe let go a little bit of some of the um, connections that you have with people, not to say that they aren't still going to be people that you're interacting with, but you can't be everything to 10 people if your job is eventually meant to be providing guidance and support to thousands of people. And to do that, you have to move out of the day-to-day -day production and into the management, the training, and the oversight to really extend the value of what you know for a greater mission that you have in your business. Many thanks to Aubrey Schmalley of Sensational Achievements. I should explain a little about Aubrey's greater mission. She's developed a sensory-based program to support attention and engagement in children. It's called Body Activated Learning. She's in the process of building an entire educator support system and subscription plan around this so she can spread the work she does in her Stanford clinic to a nationwide and eventually a worldwide audience. Check out sensational-achievements.com or bodyactivatedlearning.com to see all about it. Thanks also to zapsplat.com and freesound.org for our royalty-free sound effects and Robert Farmer for music. The theme is by Orchestral Movement of 1932. Small Business as Usual is presented by the Community Economic Development Fund, a nonprofit organization which provides enterprises in Connecticut with term loans, lines of credit, and commercial mortgages when they can't get traditional bank financing. Maybe you think you have this problem. Too small. Too small. That's not an issue at CEDF. We're Connecticut's top SBA microlender. We make business term loans at very nominal interest rates, as small as a few thousand dollars, and larger business loans too, from a pool of loan capital provided by many of the state's leading banks. There are geographic and or income qualification requirements for the borrowers. You can find out more about all of this at CEDF.com, and this episode of Small Business as Usual is available there. It's number 17-1. Okay, Aubrey, what's the secret to success in business? Getting out of production and into management. <laughs>